Hi, it's Chris Lawrence. Good to be with you this morning. I'm from Interchange, East Harlem. I thought I'd bring some thoughts on Psalm 131, which is just a three-verse psalm. Let's listen to it together. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child that is within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. This psalm offers us truth which is hidden in plain sight. I've spent four decades, it feels like, just not really quite getting it. See, I and maybe a lot of you have this profound commitment to world mending. We go to the broken places, wherever they might be, those places where people are hurting, and we want to be there to bring a measure of love and hope and beauty. If at all possible, we insert ourselves into the places which are often at the margins where we might do some good, make things just a bit better. And what could possibly be wrong with that noble intention? Well, here in this psalm is a profound insight which I want to help us open up. It's a critique of all the ways that we might want to do good in the world. It's a necessary corrective. I want to address why Christians get burnt out and terribly, terribly tired from doing good. They're so deeply conscientized about the things out there all around us that need to be renovated and restored for justice to flow down like rivers, for righteousness like a never ending stream. And yet, how long, oh Lord, how long? Listen to the Psalm, this time in the message paraphrase. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be the king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I have kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope, hope now, hope always. You know what sustains us, we who care so deeply? It's humility, meekness. You know, humility is keeping our feet on the ground. Instead of being puffed up and filled up with all that's possible if we just dedicated ourselves to the cause, we are being invited in these few verses of Psalm 131 to stay close to the ground. You know hummus, the word humilitas, hummus, literally means of the earth. And that's where we get our word humility. Blessed are they who are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, we've made humility instead the art of not receiving praise, being bashful and even self-deprecating. The British actor Jude Law he was speaking recently about inheriting a stuffy old British mindset. And that's what we've thought humility is about, and it's not. He says this, I certainly have memories as a child, not from my own family, but people around me are being given that appalling piece of British advice, don't get above yourself. 
you know, don't be too enthusiastic. You might actually be seen to be liking this, which for someone who is a born enthusiast, someone who's constantly thinking, how can we do this bigger and better was really quite crushing. No, we're not talking about a stuffy mindset of not getting above yourself. That isn't really what Psalm 131 is advocating. It's not a Psalm of how to be diffident or demure or shy. You know, in Psalm 131, humility is all about living close to the ground and having this posture, which is allowing us to be of the earth and limited and for God to be God. Let me try and unpack this. Read this, for example, as a psalm that might have helped Jesus through the wilderness temptations when he is encouraged to overcome his hunger by making bread from stones. Uh, he's tempted to throw himself down from the parapet of the temple to make a spectacular entry accompanied by a retinue of angels. And he's tempted to take over the political and military and industrial commercial systems of the world. But no, every time he refuses. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. And we can misremember Jesus as the one who went around creating a, a ripple of success stories in his wake. We can misrepresent Jesus as always presuming to know so much about people that his questions were really quite fake because he already knew about them. Or we can misremember, misrepresent Jesus as having overwhelming insights that can fix a person's complex situation with magical precision and total prescience. John Bell of the Iona community in Scotland, he says this about Jesus. I have the conviction that Jesus' effectiveness was based on his ability to be alongside people and therefore speak both into and out of their situation without pressure or presumption. To be alongside people and speak both into and out of their situation without pressure or presumption. You see, Jesus had this ability to get down alongside people empathy empathy not manipulative shows of power empathy was jesus trademark i know i know he made instant healings happen and he has and was known for the signs and the miracles but jesus was no set piece miracle worker his empathy and his humility and his meekness is what we so easily miss oh lord my heart is not lifted up my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great, too marvelous for me. Remember Jesus was 30 years of his life incognito. That's the humility of God, isn't it? Who slipped in amongst us, alongside us as a contract laborer working with his hands. Read this Psalm then as the Psalm of Jesus, sustaining Jesus through his whole life. How does humility work in New York in our slowly rebooting city after a pandemic or actually still in the grip of the pandemic? What does it mean for meekness to shape my life here? Well, look, I'm white, I'm privileged. 
And the impact of Black Lives Matter and so-called critical race theory has not been lost on me over the last couple of years. It has finally knocked me down a notch or 20 as I now see myself as problematic by my very presence as a community activist in East Harlem, not without every good intention. Obviously, I am and always was full of good intentions. But the penny has dropped and I now get it that the optics are not good, as someone put it kindly for me. Psalm 131 is a must go to psalm for those of us who live and work in communities such as Harlem and East Harlem today. And then there's peacemaking in our world, which needs to be shaped by humility. And I, like you, am bewildered and shaken by what I see on the TV about Afghanistan and the end of a 20-year US presence there. And I'm taken to this psalm and I'm doing some work on my way of reading this psalm while seeing all the, untra the, the unfolding tragedy of Afghanistan. And for example, I'm reading the story of Dan, Terry, who was executed along with nine other aid workers, Afghan and Western aid workers in August of 2010. And Dan had spent 40 years as a United Methodist layperson learning and entering deeply into Afghan culture and living as one who was alongside instead of uh, having opinions about Afghanistan from a distance. So Psalm 131 is a sort of Psalm which a man like Dan Terry would have wanted to be prayed and spoken and even sung in the mountains and among the villages of the Hindu Kush. Some might say that his martyrdom made a total waste of his efforts, but we as Christians have a way of being in the world which allows a tragedy where unavoidably the way of peace, peacemaking has led to death. And this posture is one of humility and patience in the middle of a violent and extraordinarily complex part of the world. Think about our habits on social media. I think they need to have some radical interruption by the psalm we've just read of humility. I mean, it's, we're restless, we're desperate for our search for the best point of view, vantage point. We place ourselves, because of the stream of social media information, we place ourselves too easily as judge and jury of the whole world. And that's the illusion which is created by having so much information coming at us and the fear of missing out, FOMO. It exerts such a shaping pressure that it gives us no breathing space. So we're swiping and swiping in order to reach a perspective and it can actually hurt us. It can inflate our ego as those who know more, see more and therefore can judge. And it can leave us exhausted as those who are perpetually chasing more. We can be distorted by this technology. So what about Sabbath practice, which might actually help us to detach ourselves from this frantic assertiveness and um, unbridled restlessness, it's been called. Think about the climate, obviously changing more than we have the time and the opportunity to fix. I mean, when the last uh, superstorm Henri passed over Block Island, it was, uh, it was Block Island that was in the eye of the storm for a few moments and the wind dropped 
and the sun came out and thousands of dragonfly lifted off the ground all at once to dry their wings just for a few minutes. And anybody who witnessed it was a transfixing moment. And you know what? I think I want to pray Psalm 131 in response to the catastrophe of our climate. And I want to say and pray that Psalm as we watch human degradation of the planet and overconsumption and pollution. And I want to pray Psalm 131 as a way of being able to be sustaining a life lived well here and now where I am not so overwhelmed by the sheer scale of what is needed. And I'm not so punished by the thought of waiting for a technological breakthrough, which will retrieve something or repair things just in the nick of time. So it's a psalm of humility for a time of climate catastrophe. And I feel like the posture of this psalm is like, apparently as futile, it seems as futile as the dragonflies that lifted off the ground in the eye of a storm. But it's what I'm being called to. It's what we need to be shaped into people of the ground of the humility in a time of climate catastrophe. So what I'm holding out in Psalm 131 is a corrective that can hold us in our place and sustain us to keep us keeping on where things cannot easily be fixed. Think Afghanistan, think climate crisis, think rich and poor, the obscene inequalities. Think of pressure to be always on top of the current urgent issues streaming through social media. Think more of personal stories like having a relative with Alzheimer's or think of someone who has cerebral palsy or someone have, with autism who has so little speech or think of the impact of cancer on a family with young children. Psalm 131 is our song and prayer in the face of what cannot be fixed by sheer determination. It isn't a psalm of abdication, but it carries within it the secret of her sticking with things without having the solution always there at our fingertips. Psalm 131 can teach us how to rise and yet stay close to the ground like the low flying dragonfly. I've been very, very helped by the story of Dorothy Day and Peter Moran and the Catholic worker movement. And so arrived, on arriving in New York back in 2014, one of the first places that I went to see was Mary House and then Joseph House that were still running as Catholic worker communities in the East Village. And Peter Moran had this to say, and I will end with this. There are cultural conditions for which there are no solutions. Turnings of a soul so complex that no system or institution can contain them. One simply makes accommodations and adjustments. One dreams about the future and makes plans to save us all. But in spite of all that, because of it, what seems more important are the private independent acts that become more necessary every day. The ways we find as private persons to restore to one another the strengths that we should have now, whether to make the kind of revolution we need or to survive the repression which seems likely. What saves us as men and women is always a kind of witness, the quality of our own acts and lives. Peter Moran, 1930s. Let's end with this prayer and this psalm once again. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up 
my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. May the gift and radicalism of a psalm, the Psalm 131, nurture in you the posture of a weaned child. May the God who has won back the world in Jesus and will restore all things in due course because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, bring you peace. Not an easy peace, not a half-hearted peace, but the peace of Christ unleashed in the world in the middle of a storm. Amen.